0: Great to see you here again today as we continue our series, thinking about the resurrection of Jesus and its implications for us as we live today. So let me let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, that you are a gracious God, but also you're a powerful God. Uh, You raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, and we know that has enormous implications for our future, but also for us in the present. Father, help us to understand that as we consider your word this morning. And we pray it. In Jesus' name. Amen. In 1997, the hale comet came very close to the planet Earth and it was visible in the night sky for about 18 months. What it did, though, was it created a whole lot of end-of-the-world speculation. There was a group in the United States called Heaven's Gate. They were convinced that this comet had in its tail a spaceship and that that spaceship was coming to collect them. But here was the catch. In order to be collected they had to be dead so that their souls could leave their bodies. On the 27th of March 1997 police were called to a house in San Diego and there they discovered 39 bodies members of this religious cult. What they'd done was they'd taken a lethal dose of drugs and died in the hope that they would be captured and picked up by this spacecraft. Now I don't want to be disrespectful to the dead, but I think that this was a sad and misguided waste of life. I don't doubt their sincerity. I just think that they are completely wrong. I have some friends who think I'm a hale Christian. That is, they think that the fact that I believe that Jesus lived in this world, that he died, that he rose again from the dead, uh, that I hold that view sincerely but they think I'm completely wrong and they think that I've based my life on something that's not true. Now, I'm totally convinced about the historicity of the fact that Jesus lived in the first century, uh he died in the first century, and not only that, he rose from the dead and that his resurrection completely changes our view and perspective on life and history. But I also have friends who think that I've put my trust in Jesus and by doing that what's happened is that I'm missing out in this life in the hope that I will be raised again in due course. Now that's one of Jesus' promises to those who trust him that just like he's been raised from the dead, he'll raise us from the dead when we when we die. Uh, But can I say it's just totally wrong to think that a Christian now is missing out in the light of that future hope. It's not that it doesn't have impact, it's a bit like the, uh, the Tokyo Games. Uh, that was cancelled this year, the Olympiads, and uh, the athletes at that point were thinking about whether they'd bother keeping on training. They didn't have the motivation. Of course, it's now been rescheduled for 2021, which gives those athletes enormous motivation to keep going until July next year. It's the same for Christians. The fact that we're going to be raised from the dead, of course, has enormous impact on the way we think about our lives right now. Jesus died. He rose again from the dead. That's a past event. Christians, when they die, will be raised from the dead in the future, a future event. But do we miss out now? Uh, is Jesus in heaven right now sort of preparing a report card and then when we die, we'll compare notes and in the meantime, it's over to us to do our, our very best. Can I say that being a Christian is having a relationship with God now and that is a powerful, and it's a rich experience. It's actually about being fully human. It's being the best version of yourself that it's possible to get. And in fact, the Bible talks about it as having been raised with Christ, now uh, fully alive. Now, let me read to you from Colossians chapter three, verse one. It says there, "Since then you have been raised with Christ." Notice it's a it's a past tense thing. You have been raised with Christ. In the passage we just heard read for us, Ephesians two, verse six. God raised us up with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Now we will be raised with Christ in the future, but the point being made here is that if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you already have been raised. Now, you're raised right now. Now, of course, that's not not physically because you haven't died yet. But in what sense have we been raised? I want to look with you at Ephesians chapters one and two. Uh, that part of the Bible that we just heard read, and consider what the resurrection life looks like right now. So let's look at it together. Firstly, what we see in that passage is the fact that there is resurrection power at work right now. Uh, a number of years ago, I had the opportunity to travel to New Zealand and go around the South Island, uh, on part of that travel, I went to the Franz Joseph Glacier. That was the first time I'd seen geography actually happening in front of my very eyes. As we went up the valley towards this, this glacier, this sort of river of ice that was uh, huge, as we got closer, we could hear uh, the, the glacier on the move. It was moving forward at that time. And you could hear the rumbling of the ice as it just cracked and creaked its way across the valley. And as we got closer, there were ice cubes that were falling off the front of it that were as big as houses. It was just extraordinary. Now, I'm no great lover of nature, but I felt dwarfed and in total awe of observing the power of what was going on there at that point in time. Can I say that uh, when Jesus was raised from the dead, there was an extraordinary work of supernatural power that got applied in that situation. And it's been, it's never been equaled uh, since, and it will never be equaled again. The power that caused God to raise Jesus from the dead was the power that caused him to defeat death and uh, to take control of the last great enemy of humanity, extraordinary power. We're being told here in Ephesians that that power, that resurrection power, is at work in believers right now. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 1. It's verses 18 to 21. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. It's a prayer that Paul is praying for the followers of Jesus. It's a prayer that we will know certain truths, uh, the hope to which we've been called. Now at that point he's talking about that future resurrection from the dead. and uh, We looked at that last week. But he also prays that we will understand the greatness of his power in us who believe. Now that's for this life right now. Power for us who believe. Now, what power are we talking about? Well, check out verse 20 again. The power is the same as the mighty strength which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. How do we see that power at work today? Well, as we go on in this letter into chapter 2 of Ephesians, what we see is that is it's the same power at work when someone becomes a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, It's referred to as someone going from being dead to being made alive. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead. Now that's God's diagnosis of everyone who doesn't believe in Jesus. Dead. Uh, It's not talking about a, a physical death. It's talking about... About, it's using a metaphor to describe a broken relationship with God. Later on in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4 verse 18, uh, this is how it's described. Being separated from the life of God. As you go through these early verses in chapter 2, uh, the deadness is described. Uh, transgressions and sins. Following the ways of the world. Following the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Satan. Gratifying the sinful desires. It's not so much speaking about uh, breaking God's rules, it's talking about make up our own rule, rules, living according, according to the beat of our own drum. That's what's being referred to here. But dead is such a, a final diagnosis. Uh, if you're dead, it certainly limits your treatment options. Uh, I think I mentioned last week uh, that I went and saw my heart specialist a few weeks ago. He did a... A blood test worked out that my cholesterol was a bit high, so it put me on statins. Now, next week, I'm going back for a stress test. As I understand it, they'll pop me onto a treadmill, uh, get me moving as quickly as I possibly can to get my heart level up uh, in order that they can record what's going on. I want you to imagine I go for that stress test, and as I'm you know jogging on the treadmill, I have a massive coronary attack, and I collapse onto the ground. And despite... The best efforts of the people that are uh, supervising the test—they cannot resuscitate me at all. They don't want you to imagine that the heart specialist comes into the room, let's say 15 minutes later, when I'm just cold and dead, dead, and he says, "Oh, let's pump him full of statins. Let's get his cholesterol down. Maybe that will help." Right, can I say he is not going to do that because that sort of treatment option at that point is totally useless. Dead is dead. The point being made here in Ephesians chapter 2 is that we are by nature dead towards God. And you can't change it. It's not within our power to reverse that. But God can change it. We read on, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions or our sins. See, if you're a Christian, then that's because of God's resurrection power. He intervened in your life so that you might be forgiven, you might be adopted, that you might experience a grace that you don't deserve. But maybe you're listening in today and watching and you're not someone who'd count yourself as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say God can give you this life? And this is the life. This is the forgiveness. This is the hope that only he can offer. It's extraordinary. Uh, But call out to him and he will give it to you. Dead to being alive. But can I say it doesn't doesn't just stop there. Um, God doesn't rescue people, give them spiritual life, and then say, now, over you guys. Uh, we'll, uh, when you die, we'll get together, we'll compare notes and see how you've done. Okay? It's not like that. Uh, the follower of Jesus actually has resurrection power at work in their life right now. Let me take you back to those verses in chapter 1 of Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 18. It's a prayer that we will know. Know what? Well, his great power in us who believe. What power are we talking about? What's well, the power that he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead? Now, how is that, how is that resurrection power at work in your life now if you follow Jesus? Well, just a few verses later, in chapter 2, verse 10, this is what we read. We're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's workmanship. When an artist uh, signs a painting that they've done, it's a mark of the fact that they are the creator of the artwork. And so it is with God. When we become believers, we're told in chapter 1 verse 13 that God marks us in Jesus and seals us with his Holy Spirit. He puts puts his stamp upon us as a sign of his ownership. But also, we're told, that he continues to work in us by his Holy Spirit to keep transforming us, uh, to change us. If we went a bit further on to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 and 23, It's expressed this way. Put off your old way of life, your old self, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, we've all seen those renovation shows on television. Well... This is a picture of God doing his renovating work in our lives and changing us to reflect what he's like. And when you read through Ephesians chapters 4 and 5 and 6, what you get is this this picture of what that work looks like, this resurrection power at work in your life. There's stuff that gets put off. It's It's a clothing illustration. The idea of having old clothing, the old life that you take off, and the new clothing, the new way of life that you put on. And in Ephesians 4 and 5 and 6, we hear that the new life involves putting off the stuff that we used to do when we went in relationship with God and didn't have his spirit. Uh, anger and rage, bitterness, uh, destructive words that pull people down, deception, uh, lacking fidelity in our relationships with other people, uh, using people for our own advantage the old life, and it goes on. It talks about putting on the new clothing, the new life, integrity, and being able to forgive people when they do the wrong thing by you, uh, talking in a way that actually builds other people up, demonstrating kindness and compassion, being the sort of parent who always looks out for the best interests of their children, being the sort of spouse who lays down their life for the person that they're married to, and what's the very best for them. Can I say living the resurrected life now, that is living life to the full? It's actually living the way God intended us to live, being the people that God wants us to be. You may be thinking, uh, if you became a follower of Jesus, that maybe you'd miss out or be shortchanged, Can I say it's exactly the opposite? Um, Maybe the limitations of what you've been living for right now have been exposed in the challenging times that we're in and possibly you're in a situation where you're just so aware of the shortcomings of what you've been investing in. Can I encourage you to ponder the great generosity of God, uh, the forgiveness and the hope and the life that he offers to people who are his, and also the power that he gives us to live that life, that resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But of course, many of us this morning will be listening, and you'll be followers of Jesus, and maybe you've been tempted to feel like you, you miss out. Uh, miss out because you've joined the family of God, and possibly what you've been doing is having a foot in both camps, uh, hedging your bets in both directions, you know, dabbling in a lifestyle that you think will give you life and joy, happiness, and yet the reality is it's inconsistent with the new person that God has created you to be. You know, you've gone back to the old wardrobe and you're trying out bits of it. Can I say that that makes no sense at all to do that? Uh, Forty years ago, I used to work in a law office. Now, when I joined that law office we had things called manual typewriters. Okay, It's that that long ago, and uh, these were very inefficient. I want you to imagine that I go back and visit the old law firm that I was part of, it still exists, and I go in and I say, guys, get rid of your computers, get rid of your iPads, get rid of your laptops, get rid of your tablets. Let's reintroduce manual typewriters. They would look at me like I was absolutely bonkers, right? Friends, can I say, going back to that old life, to the old owner, back to sin, is trashing a great life for rubbish. Can I encourage you, keep remembering who you are in Christ. Keep remembering God's grace towards you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep remembering that you have been raised with Christ, that you're seated with him in the heavenly realms now and his resurrection power is at work in you. Keep remembering God is changing you by his Holy Spirit so that you might be just like his son. Keep remembering that that is life to the full. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that Uh, You have made promises to us in your Son. Thank you that he rose again from the dead. Thank you that you promised that we will be raised from the dead. Uh, But Father, we also thank you that you're now at work powerfully in us by your Holy Spirit, the same power that raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, is renovating our lives uh, so that we might live for your service and live the fullest life possible. Thank you that you've not abandoned us in any way, but that you're with us always until the very end of the age. We thank you for these things in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.